Hey, I'm Drea, and this is Unpopular Passion. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Unpopular Passion. May is API Heritage Month. That is Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So I've decided that for the month of May, I want to highlight the voices of Asian and Pacific Islander guests. So I'll be real and tell you that I only had this idea yesterday. Yesterday being May 1st. (laughs) So today's episode would have come out regardless, but it does happen to work out that this is the first installment for Asian Pacific Islander Month, and that my guest is South Asian, Bengali to be exact. He is an artist, something that I have had a love and fascination for since I was very young. But when you're young and you're in school, things like art and music are just electives. They're not something that we're taught we should go after or try and do to sustain our lives. So I never did. And neither did my guest. Things like that in school are something we get into a little bit today. I randomly stumbled across his work through social media, and I've been a fan ever since. So, please welcome Nasheed Kroma. Thank you so much for sitting down and doing the podcast with me. I really appreciate you taking this time out. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, I just want to start off too by saying that I'm such a big fan of your artwork. I love your style that you do it in. It's just, it's so different than things that I've usually seen. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, It's been a wild ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny too, because I, I saw a video that you recently posted on your Instagram, and it seems like this is like a very new kind of venture for you. And I never would have guessed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started like really selling artwork in like late February, 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm, And yeah, I had no idea that like I was going to be doing art full time. Um, I was doing architecture before and or it was like a really long program. I did my master's at U of T and that was four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did an undergrad in art. So I was always interested in it. Okay. Um, but like, I personally didn't enjoy architecture that much. Mm-hmm. Um, like school is really intense. Yeah. Uh, like really long working hours. And I just like, my heart wasn't ever in it because for me, it was always a compromise, you know, Mm -hmm. like what is artistic, but also like a respectable career and Mm, like a a profession that I can make a stable income. Um, And I don't know, like I found out that you don't really make that much in the architecture industry. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that. (laughs) A lot of people are surprised to hear that, Mm -hmm. but it's usually like it's not like your nine to five type of job like it's it's pretty rigorous and a lot of places will have like at least 50 hour work weeks if you're Mm -hmm. lucky um and I was working at a corporate office after I graduated so that was nice I got paid overtime and uh I was never working more than 60 hours a week um but like like a lot (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew like in the long run, it just, it just wasn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, at that point, I, I really 
didn't think that art would still be like the alternative solution. Um, I was like interested in maybe switching into another design industry like UX or graphic design or something like that. Mm, okay. Um, are you familiar with Brain Station at all? The I'm not. No. So they're like a, um, I guess, institute educational institution where they will teach like young professionals how to pivot into other industries, um, and you can do like full time or part time. Uh, courses in user experience design um what else did they do uh I don't know if they did machine learning but it was a great tech specific um so my fiance and I did UX design there together while I was still in architecture school thinking maybe that was a direction to go into um but you know I, I ended up conceding and figured that like if I wanted to work somewhere like Google or Facebook anywhere cool or worth (laughs) working at in in my kind of world it would take Mm. a lot of work to build a portfolio that was um you know seductive enough to these big companies yeah and honestly I just wasn't emotionally or mentally prepared to like really commit myself to that much work into something that was uncharted territory almost you know oh yeah, yeah. like the part-time course was like interesting but I felt like it was a bit misleading because they advertised the course as a way to switch your profession um but once you finish the part-time course you realize that it's it, it wasn't like that at all and I had complained about it and uh, the reception person like said that that was a very common complaint too so I I, <laughs> wow. I was like not prepared at all to like you know um actually make a substantial portfolio mm-hmm. and that's when I decided I will maybe spend 2020 just making art and seeing what happens maybe I was always interested in fashion yeah and I thought maybe if I like improve my skills as an artist, I can apply it to fashion in 2021 without, you know, knowing that everything was going to happen the way it did. Yeah, it just snowballed so fast. Um, But uh, like it it started in 2019, where I had a conversation with a friend who was talking to me about his friend who was selling like custom t-shirts on Etsy and how well she was doing. Mm -hmm. And that was like my inception into a side hustle or something that was interesting to me so I got like a printing press um or a heat press rather and I had all these like ideas for shirts that were like anime themed because I'm like oh that's cool you're into anime yeah um but like I just wasn't able to figure out all the logistics the designs were working out so I put that on pause and I, I figured you know what like maybe there's a better way to go about this so then on my birthday in November, my, my fiance and some friends bought me my iPad. And, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, it was like this like really awesome birthday present because at that time, like, um, I was like always like hesitant. I didn't know if I wanted to invest that much money mm-hmm. into purchasing this like big piece of tech. Um, it seemed really expensive at the time. Yeah. So they Definitely. helped me out and that was great. Yeah. Um, and uh, they got it for me. And I committed to this like daily art project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw that. You kind of did like a challenge kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was inspired by this dude uh, on YouTube. So there's this like YouTube channel I watch called The Future. Mm-hmm. And they're like a graphic design entrepreneurship channel. Um the, the host or like the owner of the future, his name's Chris Doe. And he interviewed this kid, this graphic designer. His name always slips my mind. I feel so bad. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But his interview with Chris Doe is what inspired me because um, 
he had no like graphic design experience at all mm-hmm. but he set out to do this like daily uh poster challenge so throughout the year he just like picked a theme and created a poster every single day um and uh, chris doe had never even heard of this guy mm-hmm. until he he read some article on him like this like young kid got hired at this huge graphic design agency in new york because he did a, a daily art challenge oh wow and his portfolio was like super crazy and mm-hmm. he grew from like zero to thirty thousand followers Damn. in just that year um and uh it was just like such a inspiring conversation because uh the kid was like oh you know what like the future is what inspired me to become better at graphic design mm-hmm. and like I am where I am because of this channel but the the guy interviewing him Chris who runs the future was just like whoa what like it was crazy oh, I had no so idea. he like didn't even know he was the inspiration behind it no wow no I know so um like that was like the most tangible thing that I just like I latched on to like you know what like that makes sense like it's one thing to work on something every single day but posting it and like really starting to build an audience is what you're making every single day is a whole other task so those that those two things were my my priorities create every day and post it every day to social media Mm -hmm. and then see like my hypothesis was if I do it the exact same way he does it then I will get better at what I do and I will build my audience as well and honestly it worked out like it literally like emulated him exactly yeah i was gonna say it looked like it completely panned out the way you needed it to yeah exactly and i didn't finish the daily art challenge um because i had kind of i shifted gears and i was responding to people's kind of demands for wanting to purchase art Mm -hmm. and i started the etsy shop as like the first channel okay but but i realized that i don't have a lot of marketing control on etsy Mm. um like you can't you can spend ad dollars but you can't specify where your ads are going to be placed oh okay um you can't yeah you can't see like the data afterwards Mm -hmm. um and that was kind of frustrating um so that's when like this was probably in uh early june where i wanted to kind of get some more control over my advertising and that's when i learned about drop shipping and facebook ads so i just like really invested myself into learning about what facebook ads were like and this whole system of uh marketing and I found like a couple of people who I really respected and I paid for some of their courses. Okay. And uh, it was like, it was such a great investment. Yeah. Because uh, I opened up my Shopify store and uh, I was able to like kind of use these techniques to see real results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And so mm. would you say that art is your biggest passion or... If I were to ask you what's your biggest passion in life, would another answer come to mind? Um, I don't know if I would define it as art. I would say creating okay. for sure. Because um, uh, like right now, creating art is like what I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Um, and last year, I think the passion was like a lot more intense because mm-hmm. I had a very simple goal then, you know, like yeah. I wasn't thinking about scaling a business or anything like that. It was just a simple, let's make something every single day mm-hmm. and post it. But now it's a little bit more complex. Now I'm thinking about, you know, how do I decide what to create next? How do I expand the brand? Mm-hmm. Um how do I work with influencers? Mm. Uh, how do I um, learn how to use TikTok? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of a big tool for people right now. But I mean, like, even in my opinion, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I do not like TikTok. I find it kind of annoying. <laughs> but it's like one of those things yeah. where 
I, you almost feel like you have to because it's such a big medium right now. Hmm. Um, I love TikTok personally. It's just like, it's kind of like video memes, and I like that a lot. Like, okay, yeah. um, I have like a couple thoughts on TikTok. (laughs) The first one is that sometimes I wish that I had spent more time learning it last year Mm -hmm. um, because I think the algorithm was a lot friendlier last year, and Mm, people like literally blew up you know like in the course of a few months went from like zero to a million followers yeah um but I try not to be too hard on myself because like honestly I think I would have drove myself crazy if I was trying to do everything at Mm -hmm. once um and there's still like a lot of room for exponential growth on the app um and the other thing is that uh like going back to your first question of like you know what my passion is art can get kind of tedious sometimes because mm-hmm. it's it's not my job you know I'm, I'm creating yeah. art every day and on average I daily I, I put in like two hours daily into creating art mm-hmm. some days I'm putting in a lot more some days I'm putting in less uh just depends on my mood but um it's not always fun anymore you mm-hmm. know because last year like the dopamine rush came from you know I'm posting every single day I'm seeing my numbers grow yeah relative to my effort there was a one-to-one kind of trade-off but now it's Mm -hmm. not like that because I'm posting maybe like every four days and Instagram's algorithm is pretty intense yeah if you're not on top of it but (laughs) yeah if you're not on top of it it'll it'll like crush you um (laughs) It's, it's really disheartening, actually. It like, is. You know, like some posts, if I'm posting frequently, I can get like a couple thousand likes. Mm-hmm. But if I stop posting for like a week, I'll post something that I put in a week's worth of effort into. Yeah. And it'll like only be seen by like a few hundred people, mm-hmm. you know, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the art. It's just about your engagement rate. Yeah, it's just like how it shows up. And that's one of the things that like I one of my like constant struggles with social media is like, it's such a great tool to reach people and, you know, grow your audience. But at the same time, like, because of things like that, because of algorithms, it can almost in your mind, like lessen your work and lessen the work you're putting into something, just because you're not really getting that engagement or that like response you're hoping for Mm -hmm. so instagram was like the be all end all last year you know Mm -hmm. um and i think it is very difficult to disassociate your worth as a creator from the stats that you produce (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and the healthier way to look at it is Instagram is a tool, yeah. you know, to grow your brand, to grow your craft. And, uh, it's not easy to do that. Um, paid marketing, I think has helped because mm-hmm. now like the focus is really like, how do I use my, my ad dollars to reach new audiences? And as a byproduct, my followers are increasing yeah um which is nice uh so even if I'm not posting every single day my followers are growing but it's like it's a double-edged sword because the followership that I'm accumulating doesn't always end up becoming an engaged followership yeah um like last year my my audience was extremely engaged and they still are but it's not the same and I'm you know distancing myself from that a little bit um and that kind of brings us back to tiktok because now um you know i'm i I have two channels that can give me that dopamine rush (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and it 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 gives me another outlet to create again okay yeah i can see that that's true 
Mm-hmm. And it's like refreshing because now it's like, um, how do I use trends and kind of almost like this whole subculture on the app, like the tone, like social media definitely yeah. have tones. Yeah. Instagram's tone is very posh. It's very curated, very serious. And I didn't think about that. Sometimes yes. artificial. Oh, always you know? artificial. <laughs> Almost yeah. always. Yeah. Yeah. But then like on TikTok, it's like if you take yourself as seriously as you do on Instagram, you're not going to perform. Well. You're going to get roasted. <laughs> um, it's a lot more chill yeah. and more human. And that's why I appreciate like you, you hear about like real stories and um, I mean, that, that's the deep stuff. And then there's like the fun, playful stuff, which mm-hmm. is nice too. Like just spelling mistakes, like no one cares. Like it's not this like design savvy place. Like people are just putting fonts and text wherever they want to. Yeah. It's just like it's just about quick human experiences and um, adjusting to that tonal difference. It's like a language, um, you know, like mm. a dialect almost. Oh, interesting. That's so funny. Mm. I never looked at it that way, but I guess yeah. I I think I just. I don't know. I always like looked at it so negatively because it's like I felt like it was just a bunch of people doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe it's just what I've seen on it. But yeah, like now that you say all this, I can definitely see that side of it, like especially it being a creative outlet because like I love editing videos and putting stuff together. So I could see that being kind of an outlet for that. And also, yeah, like you said, not taking yourself too seriously and just kind of having fun on it. Hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Like the goal, I tried doing something similar on TikTok, where it was like a daily thing. Like, let's just make something every single day mm-hmm. and see what happens. Okay. Um, try whatever you know idea comes to my mind. Don't be too strict on myself or hard on myself. And uh, within like a month of less than a month of posting TikToks, like one of them just like blew up and it got like two hundred thousand impressions. Oh, cool. And uh, it was like, I mean, it was another double-edged sword because then I was like, oh, I cracked code. I can do this all the time. Yeah. And then like every single TikTok I've posted since then, like the last eight have like barely scratched a few hundred views. I'm like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like, it's just nice because it's like a batting ring or, yeah. you know, or whatever, you know, like you're just at bat and like you can try to swing as much as you want to as long as you have the energy to there will always be opportunities oh that's a good way to look things are always it. changing on the app because like i was and, gonna like, ask with like with with that one video you said like kind of taking off do you almost kind of feel like a pressure of oh i need to do this again like i need to keep like churning out something that's gonna get this kind of response yeah, it's like a gain though. Okay. It's not it's not so much pressure because okay. as I like as I said, it's kind of like diffused, you know, because mm. like TikTok, there's like one aspect that I want to try and create a banger TikTok, but then I also want to keep my social media on Instagram solid. Yeah. So like balancing those two, like the oscillation between each of the apps keeps me grounded and not too upset when something doesn't work out well. Okay. I'm <laughs> on one cool. or the other. <laughs> yeah. But um on TikTok, there's like these uh, podcasters. It's like this dad and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the channel's name is Zeth Official. Like the dad's name is Zeth. And uh, they blew up on TikTok over like the last four or five months. Like the concept was um, it's a conversation between this dad and his daughter oh, in this like cute. room. And they had like a YouTube channel, but it didn't do that well. But he just edited the footage to fit onto TikTok Mm, mm. and it was literally the same video just edited differently and now they're just so successful like Marshmallow the DJ sent them stuff Nintendo sent them stuff (laughs) I try to get in touch with them (laughs) to send them stuff they didn't respond to me clearly but I try to shot my shot yeah but no harm in shooting it's crazy exactly in like the course of a few months too like their whole life changed yeah that's true I honestly have like kind of thought about it myself. I was like, should I make a TikTok for the podcast and just like do like behind the scenes stuff or like anything like that? Because I'm like, it's, you know, a new way to reach people. 
it's worth trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, the worst that happens is nobody sees it. You get and it's not a video. might feel yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it might feel kind of sad when like you know it doesn't work out, but if you go into it expecting that it's not going to be viewed, like you're trying to create some stuff and yeah, just like you're the trying fun to of study, it. like you know exactly, and you try to like study. You know what happens mm, on the app, like yeah. what what kind of makes what do people these like <laughs> successful videos successful exactly? Mm-hmm. It becomes like a game, right? Like okay, I have this theory based on this video I watched. Let me try it out. Yeah, see what happens. I should try that. <laughs> it's awesome how uh, much of a difference it can make. Yeah, that's true. So, do you think that like this kind of now becoming a job or like becoming a career? has taken away any joy of doing it or do you still kind of have that love for creating these pieces you just feel like it's a little bit more work now um it definitely feels a lot more like work these days Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't take away from the fulfillment of it that's good you know Mm -hmm. like I think fun and fulfillment are like cousins. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't need to have fun to have fulfillment. And you don't need to be fulfilled if you're having fun. I you know, like, like that. For example, yeah, <laughs> if I'm just painting for the fun of it, like it's it's just a exercise to relax and yeah. I enjoy it. Um, but maybe that's not something that I find fulfilling because it's not helping me towards my goal Mm -hmm. whatever my goal might be um my personal goal like still with every like the thing the driving force that keeps me chugging through like sometimes like really daunting pieces is like Mm. the desire to improve as an artist Mm, yeah and that's been like the the kind of life force pushing me from last year you know like then it was a simple goal, like let me just create something every single day mm-hmm. and post it. But like at the behind all of that, like the the core goal was like how do I improve mm-hmm. my craft? How do I expand my audience? Um, so when I'm like feeling worried or stressed out or like down, which happens quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it can happen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing this because I, I I like to see the results and every piece feels a little bit harder because I'm able to push myself just a little bit harder yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I'm always wondering how I can challenge myself, like compositionally, how do I make this this portrait a little bit more exciting than my last one? Is that possible? And sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes I, I play play it safe and like I do something that I know will work just because I'm not in the mood to push myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having that balance, you know, of like which ones do I really want to like try to challenge myself. Like this weekend piece, mm-hmm. for example, like this one, this one was a really hard challenge to like overcome because yeah. I had this concept of using balloons mm-hmm. and I wanted to use flowers too. And I just was not able to make it work. Like it was super tacky. <laughs> um, yeah. The first like few drafts of my, my design just felt really corny and like, like a one liner almost, okay. but social media has been like a really nice tool kind of to crowdsource information. I'll use my stories to, get people to vote and interact with like my ideas. Yeah. That's really cool. And do uh, that. yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it keeps like, uh, you know, the, the process a lot more collaborative. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, one of my biggest beefs with design and architecture was like the lack of collaboration outside of like a firm. Yeah. Um, and not talking to real people mm-hmm. um, about their experiences, what they want. Um, yeah, like it wasn't... you would never get the opinion of like the person who's going to be in this building when you're designing this mm-hmm. building. 
exactly like there just isn't like the framework for that because yeah uh, it's like such a fast-paced industry and clients don't want to spend that money and um it, like it makes sense in one regard like in ux you can do that because projects don't cost like like an app won't cost as much as a building mm. <laughs> so you can have the budget to do user research and use that information into your app because you can also change an app a lot faster than you can change a building True. um so on like one hand i get it but on the other hand i just think if the industry slowed down a little bit and kind of incorporated some of these elements yeah of you know user research that then buildings and like the industry as a whole could really evolve into something bigger mm-hmm. but but unfortunately it, that's not how it, it isn't like that <laughs> yeah there's been exactly. so many times where i've been like in an apartment or in a hotel or something i'm like this does not make sense like why would this be here i can't like function around this so yeah it would mm-hmm. make way more sense mm-hmm. and um yeah I, I figured if i can't incorporate that into like my my previous jobs and why don't I like that aspect I'll, I'll try and incorporate that into my current yeah. thing mm-hmm. and it makes people feel involved too you know like especially when you know people are going to be purchasing these pieces and like having it in their home it's kind of a cool feeling to be like oh this is like the design I liked this is I kind of put some yeah. input into this <laughs> yeah for sure mm-hmm. um and it's been nice like throughout the process like I've created like some really nice connections. Like us even talking is because yeah. of like kind of that that process, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful for that. Same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, social media and just digital marketing is a skill that all creators could benefit from oh, for sure if they invest the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess like that kind of. Like I have like a few beefs just with school um, and like the pressure that it puts onto like young creators, it does. for example. Yeah, right. Um, for example, uh, on Instagram, there are young artists who are like 16 to 18 and they're cr- so good, mm-hmm. you know, like and they're, they have massive followings already because they're that amazing. And then, like, in their captions, you'll, you'll read about how, like, they're going to take a break from creating art because school is just so much work right yeah. now. And, like, they're, like, stressed out because they have, like, this exam or that project due. And I'm like, you know, like, this, this system was different. And, like, we were taught to be more independent and, uh, you know, self-sufficient yeah. in terms of how we generate income like these kids have like the ability to make money they mm-hmm. just with what they currently have but the the idea is so foreign to them yeah they don't for sure. think that's possible mm-hmm. that's one of the problems i've kind of always had with school i mean for one the fact that we're kind of expected at such a young age to like jump into something so quickly and learn like everything we possibly can about it and then that's going to be the rest of our lives but then also yeah like you said we're not really taught any kind of out of the box ways of thinking it's like go to school get a job do this do that and even like myself I never was really open to like any other possibility than that like until a couple years ago and it's like I'm 29 now so most of my life I was thinking I'm only ever gonna just be at a job and that's my only option yeah for sure me too Mm -hmm. you know like it's always like what will look good on my LinkedIn what will look good on my (laughs) yeah exactly you know like this like this like almost like Pokemon badge collecting (laughs) yeah type of mindset like this will look so impressive to my future employer Mm -hmm. but like we're not taught to think about how we can you know separate ourselves from that I think moving forward like this kind of concept of like side hustles and hustle culture is like inspiring a lot more people in our 
generation to pursue projects outside of work and you know sometimes it becomes their full-time job which is Mm -hmm. amazing um and i think that's only going to increase with uh gen z because they're just they'll do whatever the fuck they want (laughs) yeah um well especially with all like these resources all around and like everything at our fingertips now like we know just we're so much more aware now of what we can do yeah exactly and having that like self-confidence you know like you know what like an employer needs me i don't need the employer yeah which is Um, never a thought i had (laughs) yeah that power that power dynamic change is like so liberating um and i think like tech companies are kind of leading the path and how they recruit young Mm -hmm. talent you know you don't have to go to school necessarily you don't have to have a degree you just have to have a portfolio that out that showcases your ability to think about these complex problems if that's relative to your niche yeah so some some industries are like super behind on that like hr for example like if you you have to still have like an hr diploma even if you have all the skills to be a very successful hr person yeah you're just not going to be considered because it's so archaic Mm -hmm. like and you need to have certain uh checklists yeah um but that's going to be super different i think in like the next 10 to 20 years i feel like it would have to be just because of how much everything's changing and it actually like at my my last job i was working in a retail job and i was there for 10 years and i just like worked my way up through the company throughout those years but there was still like those certain positions that i didn't qualify for because i didn't have like those certifications or whatever but it's like I've been here for 10 years I know everything there is to know but yet you still wouldn't give me that because I don't have like this piece of paper or whatever it is you're looking for yeah and then there's just like a question of like well what's stopping me from lying about it like if that's all I need to do to (laughs) get this like position like I'm why would I not do that like yeah Like, it's just like a shame that that paper, that doesn't mean anything, you know, like mm-hmm. most of the time you have to take like 10 to 15 like optional credits that have nothing to do with what you're interested in. Yeah. The core credits don't even like teach you really specific things. Like it's not project based in that, like you can showcase that you have an, uh, an ability to, to solve this problem or that Mm. problem it's like here's my grade yeah this generic concept of how like much work I can put into something Mm because like I don't think grades reflect how smart you are I think they reflect how interested you are in something and that's a good point yeah if school is boring you're gonna have kids who could be really interested in something but then they're not engaged and so their grades reflect that yeah but then also like just seeing now like how different so many people can learn like someone might be a Mm -hmm. very visual learner someone might be a very hands-on learner but you're only teaching in this one way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh i think i think it was yesterday or something i i found out that elon musk has some like school-based, education-based startup that's like trying to completely reimagine school and some of the like features are that kids aren't grouped by age. Uh, So like the concept of grades is still there, but you're going to have like cross, uh, like you're going to have like, you know, eight-year-olds and 12-year-olds in the same classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, these classrooms aren't like uh, subject-based, they're uh project based and um there's like a and i think it was on a tiktok uh <laughs> they showed like a, an audio snippet from one of these like classrooms mm-hmm. and like the way these kids were talking was like so advanced it was like literally like the one kid was like okay so like we're in this situation we have to solve a problem in the next three hours so i will pass on my leadership to that guy because i know <laughs> that guy is really good in clutch situations yeah Wow. And it was just like, whoa, like the concept of 
like like that 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 type of conversation doesn't even happen in like the workplace now yeah um that's so interesting it sounds kind of chaotic but also like it could make sense yeah it's like it's gonna be a huge paradigm shift Mm -hmm. and i think it's gonna like be a, a like a very long time before that type of curriculum is like normal normalized mm-hmm. um like maybe like in 50 years yeah, maybe 100 years where like that's like the standard <laughs> but um if it's like possible to like enroll like even like my kids and something like that mm-hmm. in the next 10 years as like an experimental thing i'm like super down just because like i think the current education system is just like it's so backwards like why do I have to learn all of these random yeah. specific things sure. that don't matter in the future mm-hmm. um and then you f- you don't really hold on to a lot either that you learn yeah exactly like all you can showcase are your grades but you can't showcase your, your knowledge yeah like my one of my cousins she's only I think 16 and her little brother is 11 and she was like, yeah, I had to help him with his math homework and I had to relearn the math he was doing. I was like, but you're in a higher grade than him. Like, you don't just know this. And she was like, well, everything I'm doing is completely different. So I've forgotten everything that he's doing. Hmm. Yeah. And I think like if you're doing project based curriculums where like, you know, you have to use math to solve your current problem then like you'll remain, retain that knowledge because you're working on something that's interesting to you and math is just a tool. It's not yeah. like something you have to learn, mm-hmm. something you're in- intentionally learning on the side to try and help solve problems. Yeah. And um, yeah, like architecture school was the same. It was, I just felt like there was like so many weird deliverables. Like every week you had to meet with our design instructors twice and show them a whole new like design option every single time but it was like like for what you know like I kind of get it like if I think about like the daily art challenge or like the more you do the more you learn yeah um but like thing with school is like sometimes it's not like yeah like we go into it with this idea like romanticization mm. of what our career can be and we're making these decisions at such a young age without really knowing yeah what that's gonna be like and then you experience it and you're disappointed and you're like fuck now what do I do with all this yeah, exactly. knowledge and education mm-hmm. it was like a really hard decision actually to to tell my or admit to myself that I don't want to do architecture anymore yeah how was There's it a that whole bunch of shame. architecture is what you landed on? Um, it was super random. In like grade 11 or something, I just I was hanging out with one of my friends. He's a year older than me. And uh, he knew I liked math. He knew I liked art. And I had no idea. Like I was like a silly teen. I, I had no idea what the world was like. <laughs> and I didn't even know architecture was an industry <laughs> at like 16. Um, but he was like, have you thought of like doing architecture? And I was like, no, I haven't. What is that? He's like, well, it's like art and like math combined. And okay. that's when I was like latched onto the idea. Yeah. You're like, oh, this sounds um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like he was like super like sold me on it. You can make a lot of money doing this. It's like, you're, it's like, you know, respectable because you're kind of like a doctor or like an engineer, but like, you know, artistic. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get into architecture school out of high school. Um, but I didn't have the the grades or the portfolio at that time to do that. Uh, so I went to Waterloo. I did urban planning as like an alternative offer. Uh, and I didn't like urban planning. It was like super boring. Um, so I took a fine art elective. And uh, it was my first time like taking like a course in art where I wasn't like the best. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really big shock to me because my, my high school wasn't an art high school. Oh, okay. I didn't go to like a specialized art program. Uh, so the people in the art class, like some, some students were good, but uh, like my teacher, I'm still like homies with her. 
she was just like, you know, she'll give attention to the people who are interested because a lot of people weren't interested. Mm -hmm. So I had like a 98 or something in high school art. Um, so I just thought like, you know, I'm, I'm good at this. So, but uh, when I did the, the fine art elective, I was like, was humbled super fast. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the kids in the, the class were coming from like intense art programs mm. um they like took private lessons they had like family members were like artists oh, so they were just like leagues ahead of me and uh there's this one specific critique where uh, we all had to show our art to a prof and like the prof saw my work he was like oh this is like pretty good like nice job keep it mm -hmm. up um and then like he, he's like reviewing some other students work and he was just like so in love with the students art he was like you should just like become a full-time artist now like, i don't know why you're in school you don't need this yeah. and i was like oh man i was like raging with jealousy i was like why can't why don't you tell yeah. me that <laughs> so at that point i like committed myself to try and just improve uh myself as an artist and I, like that that one crit was like my motivation and I switched into majoring in fine art um, after that elective with the goal of going into architecture school still because I didn't know what I could do with yeah. art like I, the like I was like those kids I was talking about on Instagram who like are so good but like the idea of making money as just an artist is so foreign yeah, for sure I had the same thought um, as a kid I was like there's no way I could do yeah. that yeah, exactly. So I did architecture school. I like got in to U of T, which is like super exciting. Um, and again, like I'm just like on this high thinking, you know, architecture. I had this idea of what it was going to be like, and then it was completely different from that. Yeah, which I feel like a lot of things are in that kind of field. <laughs> yeah. So that was like very disappointing, but I like, I stuck it out and I figured, you know, I might as well finish this degree because I don't know what else I can do. Yeah. That's another shitty part. You're like, I'm already here. I should just stick it out and I just need to do it. Yeah, exactly. And because I stuck it out, that's what made it really hard to, to think about switching because I'm, I was so like invested into the culture and yeah. like the way some of my colleagues would talk about like how they want to work at like that firm or this firm and like they romanticized uh working like super long hours and if you weren't working long hours like you weren't really doing a good job like people would look at you funny mm -hmm. and it was like a really toxic culture yeah um but uh when I started working, that's when I noticed like a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I would talk to some of the people at my office to see, you know, what their opinions were. And like, if they would recommend like pursuing this further. And like a lot of them were like, you know what? Like, I really, I'm not happy yeah. with the industry, but like, I'm like so far in, I don't know what else to do yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. That was like a huge red flag. I was like, fuck, I got to dip. <laughs> I got to get out of here <laughs> yeah. ASAP um yeah so once I like came to terms like okay I don't want to do this anymore it doesn't matter if I have a degree like my family wasn't super supportive like my parents like the concept of me not pursuing architecture after all those years of study yeah. was they're like I told my dad he got mad he was like why would you do that I'm like I can't explain it to someone who doesn't want to understand oh for sure yeah if they don't want to hear it they're not going to hear it mm-hmm yeah, so I just kind of did whatever on my own. Um, and, like, I moved out of my parents' place last February. And I think just, like, having my own space was, like, a huge uh, catalyst um, in in letting me have the mental health <laughs> yeah. to, to keep strong. Because it, it was really demanding. I felt like I had to, like, make a lot of sacrifice. But then the lockdown happened, and everyone had to stay inside anyway. Mm -hmm. um so like my like one of the things that like kind of affects me is uh FOMO and knowing that people are outside having fun chilling yeah uh while I'm like in my studio working uh and that like makes me feel really sad and anxious 
but I kind of like capitalized on knowing that nobody else is able to have fun too. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I don't feel so bad if I'm like working for like hours on end. Um, And the other thing that was helpful was having like a full-time job, to be honest. Like I think if anyone uh, wants to pursue some type of like passion project outside of their, like what they're currently in, having a stable income is like, extremely helpful because it takes away the stress of like thinking about not having the means to support yourself yeah for sure I mean it definitely I feel like is one thing that's not talked about enough is to do it in a smart way do it in a way that works for you (laughs) yeah exactly like uh it's something that like sometimes I overlook but if I didn't have my full-time job like it meant I had to work a lot harder. Like I had to do my paintings and like during my lunch break or uh, like right after work. So I was like yeah. constantly working. It was like, kind of exhausting, but I didn't yeah, have to worry. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about not having enough money to pay like rent or something. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, if I like was like really tired from like painting all day, I could just order food because I had, the financial Mm -hmm. needs to do that without I didn't have to like worry about making time to also cook and feed myself so there were like exchanges like that that I was able to do like my time ultimately feels more valuable right now so Mm -hmm. like spending $20 on Uber Eats makes sense um yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like it was like an investment you know like if I spend an hour now to cook like shit like that's I, taking time away from your yeah, job yeah exactly so mm-hmm. there were like these kind of micro calculations um that I had to do daily but like to know that I had the means to support myself was like like a huge uh safety kind of blanket um yeah for sure and uh it also gives you like a benchmark you know like this is my quality of life now this is my salary I want to keep this quality of life. So let's see if I can make as much money doing this kind of side mm-hmm. project as what I'm currently making. And then if I can get yeah. to that point, then I can, uh, you know, do this thing full time. Yeah. You know what, what it is you need to replace to be able to continue to live the way you do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, for me, it like culminated uh, like I was always kind of chicken. I, did, I didn't want to take the leap of faith to just do art full time. But yeah, my, it's my scary. Firm, it is. <laughs> my firm let me go the day before my birthday because of like <laughs> the pandemic. What <laughs> I know it was awful. I was like, what the hell? Like, how are you going to do that to me? Um, but I kind of like wrote on that, like, like that fear, like, okay, I have to like really make this work now. And uh, thankfully, Black Friday coincides November. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, I, because I had to, I was able to see how, like, like how good I can make this work. Yeah. And that gave me the confidence to kind of keep it up. And now, um, I don't know, like the, the concept of like working nine a.m. to 7 p.m. to make like whatever I was making in the day back then it's just so like wow I can't believe I slave like that yeah oh my god I know like working per hour versus like being able to like price your own pieces and do your own thing Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. that's like now what I do on a day-to-day basis that does not directly correlate with how much like how many sales I make in a day and that's yeah. like so liberating. If I don't want to do anything today, I, I will still probably make a few sales and I will yeah. be okay. And that like yeah. that type of financial freedom is like crazy. Yeah, the freedom is definitely I feel like something a lot of people are starting to recognize more and like kind of starting to strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like this corporate culture is like eats at you yeah exactly (laughs) so something I really was curious about I and correct me if I'm wrong 
But I saw a little while ago you posted something about like someone or like a website or something stole one of your pieces, your yeah. Mac Miller one. That happens so, so often. Holy smokes. It, yeah. So I'm curious, do you, like, is there a little part of you that's like kind of flattered by it? But then also I'm sure it's extremely frustrating. Um, no, I'm not flattered by it because I know these like, these like parasites aren't even looking at the art. They don't think the art's mm. good. They're looking at like the numbers that mm, okay. they can generate, you know? So it's like very mathematical. Yeah. They're looking at like, somehow they're looking at the stats and pulling the pieces that are selling the most. So it's not about like, wow, this art is so good. Let me like try and sell it too. It's just like this mm, art sells. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, but what is flattering is how many of my followers and fans like recognize my art and like literally like once every couple of weeks, someone new is bringing some new plagiarism to my attention. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I hey, mean, that's a good thing though. They're pointing it out. Yeah. Like the fact that they can recognize it and like bring it to mm -hmm. me is just like mind blowing. Um, yeah. It'll be like, oh, like, are you selling like work on this website? I'm like, no. Well, oh, I think someone's like copying your, your shit. Damn. And like, it's nice that like people are so honest and helpful. And like, yeah. I think as an artist, like, I have like the support of the people. Like, oh, this, mm -hmm. this, this person is chasing their dream. So let's try and support that as much as we can. And that's been really nice. Yeah, that's cool. And I feel like your like type of style is very recognizable. Like I definitely feel like you have kind of coined like that style to be noticed that it's yours. Thank you. Do you have a favorite piece? I mean, you like you're I feel like the people you do are so like it's such a big span. Like obviously a lot of them are musical artists, but there are also a lot of like historical figures and people like that are just important to you. Do you have a favorite, even though I feel like it would be hard to choose with so many? Yeah, it, they're like all my, my children in a way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, um, certain pieces have had a very like significant impact on the trajectory of my kind of uh journey um for example my like weekend piece the first weekend piece I did the after hours inspired one um I did that because I was like genuinely so stoked about the album coming mm -hmm. out and I just did a piece that like responded to that feeling um and when I listed it for sale uh it just like started doing some really crazy numbers and at that point I was like maybe like focusing on pop art isn't a bad idea there's still like some stigma because some people don't consider pop art to be like real art or fine art and no. to this day I still struggle with like like places or competitions not valuing my work because it's like of celebrities yeah but um, I decided I, I would just want to I want to be authentic to what inspires me and like I've always loved music and pop culture um, so that that piece to me is like really special because of like the, the awareness that it brought to me and to this potentially being like livelihood mm -hmm. um, the Mac Miller and the Frank Ocean piece are still like it's, it's funny because like when I made them, I was so inspired, you know, and it's yeah. been so long. I look at them now. They're just like things that I've created and I'm very proud of them. But it still blows my mind how much people resonate with them to this day. Like, yeah, you know, the certain pieces will always perform better than other pieces, regardless of how you market them because of mm -hmm. something, something special that happened. Yeah, I don't know what it is either because those are the two that I have gravitated towards the most. And like even I can't say why. Like there's just something about them that kind of just speaks to me, I guess. Like those two in particular. Yeah, and um, that used to bother me 
Really? Yeah, because I wanted every piece to be that, like, mm-hmm. have that effect. And yeah. it wasn't realistic to think about it like that. Um, so then I started thinking about it like it was a music album and how musicians will always have, like, one or two singles that... Yeah, there's always those hits everyone wants to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, they just have that secret sauce, whatever it is. But instead of, like, instead of feeling bad that not every single one of those songs can have that, they'll use those two or three songs to like promote themselves. And then anyone who really likes their work can go Mm -hmm. explore the rest of the album. And people who are big fans will gravitate towards some of the other stuff too, but the other stuff might not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So like in terms of uh, like other pieces, like those two are definitely up there. Um, and then there's some like random pieces that are just like passion projects. Like I did this, uh, I was like super into Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid. Um, so I did this like blue eyes, white dragon painting. Um, I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, it was, it's a, it's a, one of the monsters in the anime. And mm-hmm. uh, I like, I was really into collecting the, the playing cards. Yeah. I was definitely more loved... Pokemon than a Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh was my jam. And I love, like, the shiny cards. So, mm-hmm. um, like, that one piece, I, like, tried to, like, capture that holographic effect. And, like, it doesn't really sell. Mm, that's yeah. fine. Cause yeah, it like, it's like, for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had this idea and I wanted to make it, so I did. And I want to hopefully kind of revisit that concept but like with my more maybe mature style yeah I mean I was kind of like scrolling through your page and you can definitely see the progression for sure from like the older stuff to now but there was still there was this one you did that like stuck out to me that I love so much and it was like a a painting of this man I believe his name was Chen in a restaurant Oh yeah, I, just, I love that one so much. Like, like I said, you can definitely see the progression from the beginning to now. But something about that one too, like, really stuck out to me, and I love that one. Yeah, I, I love that one too. It's still, it's actually one of my favorites. But um, that was when you know, like, the the field was completely open. I didn't have a niche. Yeah. And I was just, I think that was before my daily art challenge too. It might have just been like the end of December, where like. I think my fiance and I were eating at his restaurant mm-hmm. and the lighting just looked so crazy. And like, he looked so intense and like passionate to yeah. a photo of that moment. And I try to recreate it. And um, I don't know, I'm actually in, in communication with Chen right now. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. He opened a new restaurant um, and uh, we're speaking about getting my art on his walls. Oh, that's so dope. I mean, you definitely need to give him that one. I feel like that's one of those pieces that like you can you can feel it. You know what I mean? Like you can feel the feeling in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Like sometimes sometimes like some of the pieces I, I admittedly feel a little bit mechanical because mm-hmm. I'm like responding to a demand. Like a lot of yeah. people want to see this person. And I think I've created like a process where I can kind of cultivate inspiration and mm-hmm. still like have a like an exciting time yeah but the pieces that I think do the best are the ones that I'm purely like okay how do I make this idea that's all me come to life like I just dropped my my Aaron Yeager piece for Attack on Titan and mm-hmm. I really like that piece I think like it's not what my audience necessarily wants to see because they're like yeah. very used to my music stuff mm-hmm. um but I think moving forward from this point on, it's it's more about like creating things that I like. And that might not even be pop culture. It might be doing more stuff like Chen's and uh, some just like original art pieces that I was exploring at the very beginning of my journey where yeah. uh, it was like line work and mm-hmm. stuff. Because I still sell some of that stuff and it like blows my mind. It makes me feel so happy that people are invested in like these original creations that have yeah. nothing to do with pop culture. Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely that balance between like the demand and then what kind of feeds your soul and it 
reminds mm-hmm. me of I I saw this interview with uh, John Mayer recently, and he was saying how like you know he likes to change up his set list a lot. He's like, I'll always get that person that's like in the audience and is upset that I didn't play like your body is a wonderland. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this little like pop ditty is for you. This little kind of like deeper, meaningful thing. This is going to be for me and I'm going to play it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough balance for sure. Especially when like you start to feel the pressure from just having like an audience that yeah. like to me, when I look at like my followers on Instagram, it doesn't feel like a real thing you know like yeah. <laughs> it's a number it feels like yeah exactly but um like when people message me randomly and like one person messaged me the other day and they were like hey i saw someone wearing your sweater in like pennsylvania i'm like whoa oh wow <laughs> that's crazy and like yeah. just people who like have my stuff in europe and australia mm-hmm. and it's like i'm just like doing my thing in toronto and to yeah. see all this like international activity is is it's just it's awesome and uh I think right now I'm really missing that like physical kind of interaction with people and like showcasing my art in like a sometimes exhibition setting yeah so I can meet the people who are like interested in the work because otherwise it just feels like wait what am I doing all this for like I I, I have this abstract notion that mm. like if I post a piece like some number of people will like it but there isn't that like human kind of reception and it's like yeah very very nice to see like someone's eyes light up and be like I love this piece you did it just feels really gratifying yeah I get that for sure so do you have any words of wisdom or advice for everyone listening and whether it be about passion, about art, or just about life in general? Yeah, I have a few. I think the first thing is, uh, like, it's never too late to, to do anything. Like, I'm turning 29 this year. Um, so last year, I had just turned 28, and, like, I finished a master's degree, and I still made the change, you know, despite all the pressure and stuff. Um, so, like, if you have any inkling of desire to try doing something you should try um and then my second point kind of adds on to that um don't overthink that thing you know like don't don't worry about the fine details and like how you're going to monetize it how you're going to turn it into a business how you're going to scale it don't worry about any of that just like if you're interested in baking cookies you like doing that just start baking more cookies learn how to take photos of your cookies, learn how to use social media. Like that's like a huge thing that I advocate for. Like in this day and age, like sure, like I can still work with a gallery. They'll advocate for me, but you have the power to advocate for yourself. And um, if you can learn how to do that, you'll like see the dividends of the effort. Third and final thing is, have a way to support yourself while you're like chasing your dream, whether that is like, you know, you treat the, the, the side hustle as just a side hustle. And like, that's not something that you're really, really focused on, or you have something that like, you're like, you want to make work just because you're that invested in it. Have like a way to like, whether it means like, you know, you, you've saved up enough money for a year um, and to make yourself like feel a little bit less pressure. But if, you're chasing your dream like there's a lot of things that you're gonna have to sacrifice and the last thing you want to experience is like financial stress because that'll that'll be a huge uh obstacle 